So if you have your Bible with you, I want to share some, some really incredible words and thoughts with you. Uh, not because of mine, but because they're God's. <laughs> uh, and the scripture today is found in Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 to 28. Uh, if you want to follow along in your Bible, that's cool. If you want to follow along on the YouVersion app, um, just go there, click events, and then you'll see um, like sermon notes and quotes and all kinds of other stuff that we put in there as well. But Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 21. And you remember, we're talking about this idea that we have a disease, a sickness that limits us. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about that sickness of self that slowly erodes at our life, that limits our potential and puts a lid on everything that we can become. Today, I'm going to continue to explore this idea by talking about one of the symptoms of the sickness. And the symptom is that as we get sicker with this disease of me, we get more and more selfish. And the more and more selfish and self-consumed we become, the less effective we are as followers of Christ. I want to show you a little picture that I saw the other day, and it struck me, um, and it convicted me, because I realized that I have spent much of my life in my ministry thinking that being a Christian is all part of taking the path on the left. That following Jesus is this wide road that takes us to the church of fulfill your dreams. But that path and that picture of church is really just a different version of the sickness of self. Because it's a me-centered religion. The scripture that we're going to look at today presents another path. And it's not one of what can God do for me, what God can do to shape me and bless me and help me fulfill my dreams. It's a path of how can I be used by God. You see the little sign that he's saying there? It says, deny yourself and follow me. So many of us in our Christian and religious worlds think that it's the path on the left that gets us to where we need to be, that fulfills our dreams, that connects us with God. Jesus says, no way. It's the narrow path that calls us to deny ourselves, to give up the things that are so selfish and hold us and bind us and prevent us and lay them before Jesus where we find real life. The reality is we are more selfish than we realize. Just for an hour a week or so ago, I sat down, and it wasn't a perfect test because there was a lot of bias in it because I couldn't help it. But I tried to capture the thoughts that were going through my mind over the course of an hour in my work week 
and say, is that selfish or is that selfless? And so I'd have a thought and I'd say, is that selfish or is that selfless? And again, I was only able to measure about 10 thoughts because it's a hard thing to do and play in two minds at the same time. And probably I don't have too many thoughts over the course of an hour. But of the 10 thoughts, I was able to capture about nine of them, 90% of them were profoundly selfish and about me. My guess is even though the science there isn't uh, empirical, that's probably true for most of us, that at least 90% of the time, the things we think about, the way we act, the things we do, the things we say are all about us, and that's part of our sickness. But the good news is Jesus has a cure. First of all, though, let's talk about the symptom of this disease of me, that we become so selfish that we start to suffer. Matthew 16, starting at verse 21, it says, from then on. When you see that, you have to look at what happened beforehand. And what happened beforehand was one of the most significant moments in the disciples' life. Because Jesus asked them a question. And he says, who do you think I am? Some of them get it totally wrong. But Peter says, I think you're the Messiah. And Jesus says, Peter, bingo, you got it right. In fact, Peter, you got it right that I'm going to call you the rock. And on you, I'm going to build my church. Again, I'm pretty sure that, that Peter didn't understand everything that that meant. He didn't understand that 2,000 years later, groups of people all around the world would still be functioning as the church. But I bet that in that moment, Peter felt like the wisest, freest, biggest, most important person in the world. Jesus said, Peter, you're a rock. And Peter thought, yes, I'm a rock star. And all the other disciples were listening. And they said, oh, my goodness, it's true. Jesus just said, he's the Messiah, and we're his guys. Something cool is really happening. And it's from that moment that Jesus gives this teaching because he knows that he's told them the truth and that the truth is starting to build their ego a little bit. He knows that now more than ever is the time to turn up the discipleship switch. Because these guys are starting to understand who they're with and what they've got to do. He says, from now on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary to go to Jerusalem. These guys, they've just been affirmed. Their ego has been stroked in the biggest possible way. Their, Their reputation and their responsibility has just increased. And Jesus turns up the heat on discipleship because he knows it's it's in those moments that the disease of me, unless properly managed, can create further sickness in us. He, He says, you are these people. I am that man. Now let's go to Jerusalem. At that mention, all the disciples who were probably standing and jumping with with joy probably would have shrugged. They're thinking, Jesus, this is terrible strategy. 
If you're the son of man, which you've just said you are, we're your guys, which you just said is up, said we are, the last place we want to go is Jerusalem. We need to go somewhere else. We need to, to build the empire. We need to get more people because Jerusalem was this place of suffering. They knew that if Jesus went to Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, there would be a cross, a cross of suffering, a cross of pain, a cross that they all thought would kill this movement that they were a part of. But Jesus said, if you're going to be my guys, then we've got to go through Jerusalem. We put some music behind the U version as well. <laughs> he says, you want to be my guys, you got to go through Jerusalem. You got to go through this place of suffering. Because there's no way to get where you need to go except through suffering. He's saying to get where I need you to go, you got to rid yourself of this disease of me. And the only way to rid yourself of the disease of me is through suffering. Because we all know there's nothing that destroys our ego like suffering, right? Jesus is saying, if you want to become all that you can be, if you want to become all that you can be in me, you have to go through Jerusalem. We have to go through this place of suffering. What's so interesting about this is that in most of us, this disease of me is so selfish that we do everything we can to avoid suffering. We do everything we can to avoid walking through the pain that is necessary to kill the disease that is killing us. Often if you want to be cured from cancer, and I realize it's not always this way, a lot of people get cured by going through the pain of chemo. We have to go through the suffering sometimes to receive the cure. But the disciples don't like this. Jesus said, you go to Jerusalem, we're going to suffer many terrible things. He says, what is more, we're not just going to suffer terrible things. We're going to suffer them at the hands of those who should know better. The elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He said, I'm going to be killed. But on the third day, I'll be raised from the dead. Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, we've got to go to Jerusalem. We've got to be betrayed. We've got to be hurt. We've got to be misunderstood. And we've got to die so that we can really find the life that we want to fight. Now, to find, now just like us, Peter, who at this time has been with Jesus for three years, took Jesus aside and began to reprimand him. Some versions say, rebuke him. So imagine the scene, right? Jesus says, Peter, you're the rock star. Peter says, I am. Jesus says, great. Let's go to Jerusalem. And Peter says, 
No, 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 Jesus, you just called me the rock star. You said you're going to build this thing on me, so I have a say in what we're going to do. And let me tell you, we're not going to Jerusalem. This is so fascinating to me because it's so uh, true of what we do. We try and rebuke to reprimand suffering in our life to avoid it, even though often suffering is exactly what we need to go through to be changed. So Peter pulls Jesus aside. He says, Jesus, I know you think that you're running this little movement, but you just empowered me, and so I'll be in charge now, and this is never going to happen. Isn't that a strange dynamic? But isn't that so much what we do? Sometimes we feel so empowered that we take that empowerment and we use it to rebuke the very thing that can cure us. Peter said, took him aside for saying such things. He says, heaven forbid, Lord. I mean, think, think about that. Heaven, heaven forbid, Lord. Jesus just said, I've come from the Father, I'm going back to the Father. And he says, no, 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 I don't want heaven to do what heaven has said heaven needs to do. Never, Lord. This will never, ever happen to you. What an idiot Peter is making himself out to be, right? We, we, we know that you should never say never because often as soon as you say never, the very thing that you are nevering starts to happen. He says, this is never going to happen to you. It's part of our brokenness, part of the disease of me that suffering happens. But we have to go through suffering in order to be healed. If it was that way for Jesus, why on earth would it be different for us? So often we bail on suffering. So often we give people a way out of suffering. So often we dive into suffering to protect ourselves and protect others from it. And in doing so, we miss the very thing that we need to get to get better. I'm sure I've told you before, I've been in um, Bible study groups or, or small groups where share, someone shares some suffering that they're going through. And as soon as they share it, the level of uncomfortableness is so tight that everybody collectively says, how can we help bail you out of this suffering? And it's nice and it's well intended, but it's not always helpful because we got this sickness that has a consequence and that consequence is suffering. And we have to endure that if we're going to get the cure. The first thing to understand about this, this selfish sickness that we have is that the symptom of it is suffering. Peter's the rock star. Jesus says, hey, you want to be a rock star in my kingdom? Then you got to embrace suffering. Peter says, no way. I'm not playing. 
And Jesus is disheartened by this, so Jesus turns up the volume anymore. Man, 23, if ever there is anything that you will bring you down from the affirmation of God, it's the rebuke of God. And so Jesus, uh, so Peter goes from, from, from being a 10 out of 10 to a 1 out of 10 in a manner of seconds. Because they're having this little conversation off to the side, and Peter thinks he's doing the right thing, but really is letting his sickness whim, saying, hey, hey, no way, Jesus, I'm going to rebuke you. You're not going to die. I'll never let that happen. And so Jesus says, no, let's get the alignment right. I'm in charge. You're not. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. Suffering is the result of this disease of me. But this disease of me has a root that is much, much deeper than just in us. The disease of me the inflation of ego, the profound selfishness that so often we live with comes directly, Jesus says, from the enemy himself. He turns to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. He's not saying to Peter, you're Satan. He's saying, Peter, you are being manipulated by Satan. Satan is all wrapped up in your, your ego. And you taking responsibility and thinking that you can tell me what to do and you not wanting to suffer and go through what God has in mind for you, Satan is all over you and he's manipulating you. The symptom of our sickness is suffering, but the source of this sickness is Satan. You know, we spend so much time blaming each other and getting angry with each other and thinking if only each other would be better, then we wouldn't have these problems. We're fighting the wrong enemy. The enemy is not each other. The enemy is the the enemy, the the one who's manipulating, the one who's, who's forcing. Well, what I love about this is that Jesus is able to love Peter while hating Satan who is manipulating him. Part of the problem with us is that we hate the people who Satan is manipulating and we don't realize that there's something worse pulling at the strings. He says, Satan, you are a dangerous trap to me. Some versions say a stumbling block. This is how the enemy gets into us. It's not in in big, grandiose ways. It's lots of little ways that make us stumble. You know, if you're walking down the road and you see a huge sinkhole, you avoid it because it's so big and because it's right there. But you're walking down the street and you see, uh, I don't know, just a a, a little... A rut in the sidewalk. Yes, Bobby, you are more qualified than anyone to tell us this, (laughs) right? It's a stumbling block. You don't see it, and you fall. That's the way the enemy works, right? It's not in the, the big things. It's in the small things. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Get behind Peter. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's point of view. That's the other way that the enemy manipulates us. 
He tries to convince us that he's on our side, that he's for us. To think about the temptation of Jesus where Satan put all kinds of stumbling blocks there. The message was, Jesus, if you do this, I'll give you this. This whole city, this whole region could be yours if you just bow down before me. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, because he knows that the source of our sickness is Satan himself. You know, it's real, real interesting. Just think of the posture um, in, in this, right? You, you got Jesus and you got Peter and you got Satan. Now, now, in the order of things, right, Jesus is the most powerful. He takes authority over that. But the enemy has some power. It's a subtle power that we don't realize. And then there's us. He says, get behind me, Satan. That's something that we need to, to say to ourselves every morning when we feel this, this selfishness rising up. It's, it's get behind me. The, the one that we get behind is Jesus. Jesus says a little bit later, follow me. The problem is we're following our selfishness. We need to rearrange our, our order a little bit. We're, we're followers. That's who we are. But the question that Jesus is raising is, who are you following? Will you follow me or are you following the enemy? Don't follow the enemy. Get behind me, Satan. The symptom of our selfishness is suffering. None of us want to go through it, but we need to go through it. The source of our selfishness is none other than Satan himself, who works in a thousand subtle ways to trip us up and to manipulate our mind when we're supposed to be filled with the mind of Christ. The symptom is suffering. The source of is Satan, but the solution is our Savior. Verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, he's talking about getting in the right order, you must turn from your selfish ways and take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give it up for, the, for my sake, you will gain the whole, uh, my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man come in his kingdom. The symptom of our disease is suffering. The source of that disease is Satan. But the solution is a Savior revealed in Jesus. One of the things that he starts off by saying is he's inviting people to follow him is do you want it? He says, if any of you wants to be my followers, and I think that word want is so loaded because so often we don't want what Jesus has to offer. 
So often, we're quite happy with the lies that are fed to us by the enemy. And we don't want what Jesus has to offer. There's this crazy story in the scriptures in the book of Mark where Jesus comes across this guy who has been sick and disabled his whole life. And Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And you think, Jesus, that's a stupid question, surely. Why wouldn't he want to be healed? He hasn't been able to walk. Being able to walk would be such a great thing. Why would he not want that? But the reality is Jesus has to ask the questions because a lot of the time, a lot of us are more happy in our limited what we have than in the unlimited what we need. Does that make sense? We, we get so consumed with the way things are that we say, well, better the devil we know than the angel we don't, right? We, we, we settle for, for what's less when there's so much more and we don't want it. So Jesus says, first of all, if you want this solution, we'll, we'll claim it, but you got to want it. Je Jesus is such a gentleman that he doesn't force himself into places where he's not wanted. And so he says, if you want it, then take up your cross. You know, we head into Jerusalem was to the cross. It was a place of suffering, but the cross was very specific. The cross was the instrument on which Jesus would die. And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you've got to take up your instrument of death. You've got to die to yourself. You've got to die to your ego. You've got to die to this sickness within you. And once you've given up going your way, then come my way. But it's not going to work you coming my way if you still want to live your way. That's part of the problem with religion. That was part of the problem with the picture. We say, yeah, God, I'm going to come your way. And we think we are, but really it's just a different version of our way. And our way never, ever, ever gets us where we need to go to be fully alive. Do you want it? If so, die to yourself. He says it makes total sense. If you want to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. How many times have we done that? We've seen things that we think are valuable, but they aren't. Dreams that we think will give us what we need, but they don't. Yet we still hang on to them. And he says, if you, you give yourself to those things, you will lose your life. He says, what happens when you're doing that? You're, you're gaining the whole world maybe, but you're losing your soul. Is anything worth more than your soul? And the answer is no, because that's what Jesus cares about the most. Because it's that soul that everything in this life comes from. And it's that soul that is within us that goes to heaven and is clothed with a new body and with a new life. He's saying, protect your soul at, at all costs. It's the soul where this, this sickness lives in. It's this soul that suffers when, when Satan gets a foothold. He says, one day there's going to be a great and glorious day. The Son of Man will come with his angels in glory 
and will judge all people according to their disease, to their deeds. I tell you the truth. Some of you here right now will not die before you see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And again, maybe this little phrase that he wraps up with is cause for excitement because they're thinking, oh, yeah, all right, it's going to be hard, but we're still going to win in the end. And that's true, but it wasn't winning in the end as they thought it was. It wasn't a crown that stroked the ego that was their victory. It was a cross that killed their ego. It was a cross, a death that cured the sickness of the disease of me. It was the cross that finally put Satan, the tempter, to bed that emptied him of all his powers, that defied the very worst that he could do. It was the cross that ended suffering once and for all. We have this disease of me. A symptom of it is that we cause suffering. But we have to go through suffering in order to kill off the things that cause it. The things that cause it, Jesus said, originate in the enemy. And so part of our responsibility here on the earth is to avoid the stumbling blocks that he laid down. But the main part of our responsibility is to turn to our Savior. To deny our selfish ways, to pick up our cross, and to follow him. The symptom is suffering. The source is Satan. But the solution is Jesus, our Savior, and so if we want to get healthy, we got to get to know Jesus better. His life, his love, his power, his forgiveness. Jesus is the one who saves us from our sickness. Make sense? So we live this week. Be very aware that we have a sickness that causes suffering. Be very aware that that suffering comes from no other source than the enemy himself. But in the midst of that pain, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the selfishness, we draw close to Jesus because he's the one that saves us from ourselves.